It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First Contact with Lori Siegel is a production of Dot 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 Media and iHeartRadio. Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Lori. I love this is my quarantine call. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? I'm I'm in New York. I've been in self-isolation, so I signed up for this out of my own pure interest. And then I was going to do a whole podcast episode based on calling people in quarantine. And I was inspired by this app. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, so I think I just wanted like another adult to talk to really is why I signed up. Hey, it's Lori. I'm recording this on Friday, March 27th. And I've been in quarantine. I'm now self-isolating and it's been around three weeks. Wow. Time is pretty strange in self-isolation. The days, the minutes, it all just kind of has new meaning. That whole sentence felt pretty weird to say, but let's be honest, 2020 feels pretty weird. So let me set the scene for you guys. I'm here in New York City, where I was exposed weeks ago to someone with coronavirus. Now don't worry about me, I'm doing okay. I'm just fine. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. Things are pretty intense here if you've read the news. And I know that they're intense in a lot of places. So I've decided to dedicate this episode to your stories. I'm recording from my apartment with this thought. We need a community now more than ever. Storytelling has always been my therapy. And Lord knows I could use it right now. That sense of community. So I asked all of you to share your stories. I said, send in your voice memos, text me, tell me how you're feeling. I'm listening. I loved what you guys had to share. This episode of First Contact is devoted to you, to your stories and what you're going through. We're going to start with my inspiration for the episode. It's a little bit weird. It's an app I heard about in my early quarantine days, which feels like a long time ago. It's called Quarantine Chat. When you sign up, you randomly get two calls a day from a stranger anywhere around the world. Your phone rings and you're just on the phone with someone else somewhere in quarantine. 
it's strange, and it's human. So I'm going to start us there. I actually captured one of the calls. And yes, she said we could record it. Welcome to Quarantine Chat. We're about to put you on hold and connect you to someone else anywhere in the world. Your prompt today is to go look out the window and describe what you see to your partner. I've gotten two calls on Quarantine Chat from different people. One person was in DC, one person was in New Jersey. How many of you guys? I signed up maybe just like an hour, maybe two hours. Oh my God. So I'm your first quarantine call. I feel a lot of pressure. (laughs) You better entertain me. The app launched just a couple weeks ago, which again, feels like a long time ago at this point. It was created by Max Hawkins and Danielle Baskin, both currently self-isolating on the West Coast. Well, hi, where are you guys? Um, I'm currently in San Francisco. Oh, cool. I'm in LA. Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. I went into quarantine because I was exposed. um, So I've... I've been hanging out solo um, and quarantined mm-hmm. for over 14 days now and discovered this little thing someone told me about called Quarantine Chat. I don't know how to describe this to people, but it is so amazing. You literally just get this random call and it's like this cool music. And then the next thing you know, you're speaking with somebody who's also in quarantine. Yeah. It's interesting because when we first started it, um, the whole world was not in quarantine. It was like, you know, people in China were in quarantine and Italy was just starting to be in quarantine. So there were also some people that were self-isolating. Like you decided to stay inside. So I thought like, oh, well, you know, someone who is self-isolating could get a call from someone else. And maybe if they're not self-isolating, it'll cheer them up. Um, Or they can talk about like, you know, things they're doing with their day and recipes, whatever, and just like feel less alone. But since creating it, like the whole world has kind of become locked down. So like this app has reached, I mean, what it's in eight, how many different time zones? It's, it's all over the world. I mean, I've matched with, you know, someone in Berlin and in Spain and in France. I matched with Hong Kong two days ago. Yeah. Uh, wow. Paris, uh, all over oh, yeah. the world. Yeah, Hir- Hiroshima. Wow. Also just like, I mean, within this country, someone is saying like, oh, I matched with someone in Tennessee and I actually have never like talked on the phone with someone in Tennessee. They were in LA. Yeah. <laughs> and so how exactly does the app work? Yeah, so you go to quarantinechat.com and sign up, and then you get the app. And once you have the app installed, you start receiving phone calls roughly once or twice a day. And if you get the call, you pick up. It says quarantine chat on the caller ID. And when you pick up, you're connected with a random person who is also called at the same time somewhere else in the globe. And you get a short prompt that gives you a topic of conversation. You can follow that topic or ignore it. And then you can talk for as long as you like, and it's totally free. If you don't have time, you can ignore the call and your match will be sent to someone else. So you don't have to worry about if you're busy uh, missing the call. Wow. There's just something really special. I remember I was having a morning, probably like day four of like self-isolation and in New York, like it's not like we're in these large, large apartments unless you're, you know, doing incredibly, incredibly well. And I was having a moment and I got a call, but it was my first quarantine call. And it was like, all of a sudden I look at my phone and when it rings, it says quarantine chat. And, and I picked it up and I remember I was like sitting in my bed 
And this woman answered, her name was Kathy. And we had a really good conversation. Of course, she was like, tell me a little bit about yourself. I was like, well, I'm self-isolating alone. I'm not very domestic. So like, you know, if if I'm cooking, send help. And I said all these very self-deprecating things. I was like, how about you? She's like, well, I heard about this app because this girl I, I follow in the media tweeted it. Her name is Lori. I was like, (laughs) she was like, what's your name? I was like, Mary. (laughs) I was like, well, um, but, but I I told her it was me, but, but we ended up um, having this incredibly human conversation about mental health and she was struggling a lot, I think mentally with this uh, and what it meant. And, you know, and, and it was just, I just could tell she just wanted someone to talk to. And so Mm So I think there, there's something really interesting about hearing each other's voices again um, at a time when I think we had, we had almost like stopped calling each other before totally. this. Yeah. I think people I've talked to have described the experience as very freeing because they have no knowledge of like who the other person is and they could talk about whatever they feel like in that moment. And it's different than connecting with someone through some channel where like, you know, the whole bio, you know about Mm -hmm. that person, there's context in your conversation is like aimed about a particular thing. Like the idea that in the moment, if you want to talk about a specific thing, you can is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, and I also think it's, it's interesting because there's, this is a moment where there's a lot of fear and, and who knew that um, just hearing a stranger's voice every once in a while could make you feel a little bit better, you know? Totally. If you feel totally less alone, if you're, um, you know, you're worried about things and you find out someone else is worried about the same stuff, it sort of feels comforting. Yeah. How many people across the world, like, do you know how many different countries you guys are in or how many? Uh, what's the current count, Max? Do you we have We haven't it? looked in a while. Could, yeah. You could find out. You can look in real time. <laughs> yeah. It's We've cool. got like uh, a lot of people talking on the phone right now, actually. Yeah, because we triggered a call. The, the call happened, the last quarantine chat call happened at around 1.30, so 45 minutes ago. Oh, I up. just had one. I just oh, had you one did with have a woman one. in North nice. Carolina. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. That's really cool. So you guys just like sit in your, you can like, you're sitting in your own self-isolation. You can like trigger. We have, the um, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of a switchboard operator because That's I handle if cool. someone, we get, we know um, if a call got disconnected for some reason, like someone loses their internet, I reconnect yeah. them. It, but man, you, I reconnect them right now. So I'm a, I am a, a human switchboard operator, but yeah, we can, um, when a call happens, we like, can see our bandwidth being used. <laughs> so how do you guys make sure that this doesn't turn into like phonesex.com, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's so many ways we prevent that from happening. I mean, right. Uh-huh. You, can't, you can't call anyone. The app calls you. So if you're desiring a specific type of interaction, you can't just hit next, like hang up on someone, I want a new call. You can't just do next, next, yeah. next, next, next until I get someone who wants to respond to like this particular kind of interaction I have. And I think having those, you know, those, these conversations are like, you know, they're precious. You only get the call one to two times a day. And yeah. so that is your only opportunity. And so would you wait, how do you want to spend that one call? Yeah. I think there's yeah. also um, one of the, the, like the values that we try to, maintain is um, having a diversity of different sorts of people that you get matched with. And so like, if you get matched with someone from Ghana one day, we want it to be someone in Missouri the next day and, yeah, um, or like different kinds of people to get different perspectives. And 
I hope that that sort of mixing exposes you to different sorts of um, people and ideas. Yeah. Do you guys have any stories that you'll remember of people you've spoken to? Oh, surprised you? yeah. I mean, every call feels so different. Like I'm transported into another world, but yeah, I've talked, I talked to a makeup blogger in Dubai who really? was very, she was an intern at a company and she was about when she, she's planning on graduating in April and she was hoping to get hired, but because she works in advertising for restaurant chains, um, mm. like, um, like Dubai, California pizza kitchen and, <laughs> Uh, they're not, you know, restaurants are kind of losing money, so they can't do advertising. So she's really afraid of like not getting her job. But yeah, I talked to someone in Hiroshima whose friend has a hostel and the hostel is closing and her friend is trying to be really positive by only posting happy things on Instagram, but inside feels very afraid. Um, Mm. yeah, I get these glimpses into how this virus is affecting people's lives and all over the world. And it's kind of similar stories, but in, you know, all these different countries, which is fascinating. Pretty early on, I connected with someone who was uh, like a student studying in Paris. And she told me that like the night before, she had found out that her roommate had the virus. And they had a party like a couple nights prior and everyone that was there had to be quarantined. And we're like waiting to find out if they have been infected. And she was just talking about how scary it is to know that like her roommate is next door and is infected. It's dangerous. And uh, what it's like to not know. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went through that. I mean, I think for me, because I, um, I was exposed and then it was just like, you just wait, right? Like you just sit and you wait and you wonder um, like, am I going to be okay? And mm-hmm. man, like, does that do things to your head? So that's when I had my first quarantine chat call. But, um, but yeah, that that's, it's extraordinarily scary. And then of course it's, it's coupled with this idea of like, well, I'm also really worried about my friend who had it. And mm-hmm. I also want to show them so much love and support. And then it's also, I'm worried about my parents and now I can't go be near my parents because I could harm them. I mean, it's these extraordinarily human questions that, um, what's interesting about what you guys are doing is like, we're all facing them in some capacity, no matter where we are. And, and I think it's devastating. And also it's really extraordinary and human too. So uh, mm-hmm. who knows how long we're all going to be in this? Um, where do you, yeah. where do you want this to go? It's interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how spending, what sort of effects after say we're all out of quarantine at some point, yeah. like, will we continue these sorts of interesting digital communication habits that we've all developed during quarantine? I don't know. I mean, I think like I would, uh, after, you know, if I can still go out in the world, of course, I enjoy talking to people on the phone. Will I continue to have these relationships with people all over the world and just, just discuss like what we're doing in our lives, even after we're all out. I'm excited yeah. to see if people meet in person. Yeah, I hope that when this is over, we all hold that um, in some capacity and, and mm-hmm. hold that sense of humanity and, and love and care for each other because it, I, I definitely um, I definitely think that's pretty important. So, you know, I'm on. Maybe I'll get connected with you guys again. Maybe we'll do this all over quarantine chat. But um, this, <laughs> by the way, this whole podcast episode, I'm just going to call people in quarantine because I'm totally copying you guys. I think it's great. So anything left to be said? Oh. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like uh, 
if anyone is afraid to talk on the phone or like feels hesitant to pick it up, like it's surprisingly easy to talk to people, which people might not. Yeah, we're introverts. <laughs> they might be like hesitant. I mean, we're, we've designed it. We designed it for introverts in mind. And there's a question at the beginning of the call. And, you know, the person on the other end wants to listen to you, typically. You both want to have a conversation. So I encourage anyone whose phone rings and they're like, I don't know, just like try it. <laughs> Okay, we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. More with my guest after the break. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My first week in quarantine, people sent voice memos describing their experience in self-isolation. We had a bunch of folks send them in, and there was one that really struck me. 
I want to play it for you guys. It called to question the ethics of this moment and our own moral compass. This past weekend when I had to work, so I should probably have said that it's a gym that I work at. It's tested my ethics quite a bit. I did everything in my power that I could to make it as sanitary as possible. And especially considering that the population that goes there is a little bit on the older side. So that's also another conundrum, I guess you could say. But I can't pay my bills unless I work. I have a significant, I mean, most of my income goes towards paying those bills. And I can't pay them if I don't work. But that then, I mean, there's another voice in my head that says that's extremely selfish and unethical of you because you're directly endangering people's lives by you working. Um, As you can see, that job put me in quite a conundrum. Hi. Hi, how you doing? I so appreciate you sending in that voice memo. I listened to it immediately and I was really moved by it. So thank you. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I wasn't, (laughs) to be honest, I wasn't really expecting to hear back. I just kind of wanted to let you guys know. And it it was cool. Thank you for offering that. It was kind of cool to be known or know that you're being heard. So thank you. Well, hi, you're welcome. And hi from my isolation. Yeah. Um, let me let me start with you're not alone. We're all uh, unfortunately kind of in this together, but there's, you know, there's some humanity in that. And I've, I'm self-isolating in my place here in New York. And you sent us a voice memo and you talk about starting with your work. You had a real conflict with your work and, and you talked about kind of this decision and, and you said, do I stay because your gym wasn't closing down and do I put other people at risk or do I risk not being able to pay my bills and keep people safe, myself included? So what did you decide to ultimately do? Uh, Well, it was not too long after that call, uh, being in California, um, or not call, but the memo, Gavin Newsom imposed the uh, shelter in place order I was conflicted because one of the workplaces is a small business and they were very reluctant. And I, I understand where they're coming from, I guess. It's, it's a lot of people, there's a lot of uncertainty on the financial side of things for people. And I get that. So kind of a background that I work at, like the one gym was kind of more that corporate style gym. And another, this other gym was a CrossFit gym or functional fitness. And there was an awesome community there. You develop deep personal relationships. And it's almost like you're a family in a way. And if even one of them, something bad happened, something serious happened, how would I be able to live with that? It was conflicting in that because being a younger person, one of the gyms I worked at was um, the demographics were did tend to be older, older individuals. And I know that the risk is lower for younger people. That doesn't mean that bad things haven't happened for younger people. But it's that, that question of what if I have it, maybe I'm asymptomatic, right? And I pass it along to one of them. 
the thought of that, I just thought it was immoral, I guess. And I started to push back and saying, hey, we, I'm not going to coach anymore. Like I laid it out there for them. I didn't feel comfortable, but it kind of coincided luckily with Newsom's order too. So I guess the universe was kind of looking out for us in a way, I guess. Yeah. I think that voice memo and what you sent to us was a little bit of like a moment. And, And so kind of capturing the psychology around perhaps what makes you go in and do that when you don't have a hundred percent all the facts, but you got the feeling and some pushback and some real questions, I think is really interesting. Um, and, and, and perhaps says something about you. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of when you said the, you know, looking at the moments and it, it, it instantly reminded me of uh, to kind of get cliche again, uh, the Steve jobs connect the dots. It's easy to connect the dots looking backwards, yeah. but people, forget that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You may not even know what the dots are. Yeah. I think about this moment is a lot of dots, right? Like, and I think for every human being, it's like we're all living our own story in a way. And and collectively we have to do it without not a lot of answers. So I think, you know, this idea of, of understanding the question a little bit and sitting with this uncertainty and being able to make some decisions around it um, is, is really interesting. Um, Yeah. Um, do you have like family? Are you married? Uh, I'm single. I have family. Luckily they're all local about a 10 minute drive away. So is it hard? I know a lot of people are self-isolating with family with significant others. Is it hard for you to do it without somebody? Do you ask yourself those questions or are you okay with the solo nature of it? I guess it kind of, there's a stark difference now from the loneliness here to when you go like before, you know, I'd, I'd interact with people at the gym and get out and about, but now it's like the only time that there's any interaction is at like the grocery store. And I even know it for me, it was kind of like I had to take a double take because I was walking down the aisle and somebody like, turned the corner and it was kind of like, whoa. And I like took the biggest sidestep I've ever taken in my life. And <laughs> after I did that, I just stood there for a second. I was like, did I really just do that? But it was, it was kind of like that subconscious reaction. Are you afraid? Yeah. I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm very uncertain, I guess you could say, but there's nothing wrong with that. I guess. And I feel like people tend to want to put on a front like they know what's going on. But sometimes you just don't. And there's a lot of variables out of our control. And it's not realizing that and then taking action where you can, I think is, it's not only calming, but it, it shows you that you do have you do have some power to affect not only yourselves, but the people around you. All right, let's zoom out to Spain. My next quarantine call is with Pablo Sanchez Blanco. He's living in a small town close to Madrid. Like many of us, 
he's worried about his parents. It's personal. Several of his family members are working in local hospitals, overwhelmed with patients, often unprotected, and putting their own lives at risk to save others. Hey, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you all? Good, good. Um, wow, thanks for doing this. I know you're in you're in Madrid right now, right? Yep, Madrid it has many like little cities surrounding Madrid. And I live in Alcalá de Henares, which is like 20 kilometers away from Madrid. Cool. Uh, thank you for having me here. I think it's great to have the opportunity to speak with people from other countries, especially in a situation like this, which is worldwide. And I'm very into this situation now because, for example, my girlfriend, she's a doctor. My mom, she works, she lives the, in the kitchen in the hospital here in my city. Uh, my father has been a doctor as well for 30 years. And um, we're seeing how they're struggling, not even daily, hourly. So hour by hour, they're giving everything they have to try to, to get us out of this. Yeah, so, so tell me, um, let's start with you. Are you self-isolating? Have yeah, everyone is self-isolating. And so before we kind of dig into all of it, I just, I want to ask you kind of a basic question, of like, how are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> um, I think you try to to innovate within your house, right? To, uh, I'm communicating more with my family. Uh, I'm getting closer to my neighbors. Um, I think I'm on one side. You see all this information coming from the media and TV, which is bad, really bad, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, which kind of depresses you a bit. But then you go out at uh, 8 p.m. every day, goes out and claps to all the people which is working for us. And it kind of. Can you explain that? What do you do? You go out and clap? Every day, 8, yeah. Uh, everyone. Explain it to me. Set, the, set that scene. I don't know what that looks yeah. like. What do you do? Yeah. Everyone, everyone at 8 p.m. goes outside in the windows and claps. But you can hear, like, thousands of people clapping in, in their buildings, in their windows, in their balconies. It kind of brings you up. People start playing music after that, and you, you get parties in the windows. Just people yeah. drinking in the window, saying hi to neighbors. Neighbors to, I didn't even speak in my life. <laughs> and now meeting them through the window. You know? <laughs> so it's, 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 it's bad, the situation is really bad. But you kind of have this environment and you're sharing this with everyone. How is it impacting you personally? Um, personally, I think it's a really stressing situation. So, for example, my mom in the hospital, the fact that they don't have materials at all, they don't have masks, they don't have gowns, they don't have anything to protect themselves, it kind of stresses you out. So I'm, I'm stressed for all these people who, especially in a country like Spain or Italy, our our brothers there, they, these, these old people, they've been fighting a lot to get us out of many political things, uh, really bad things. And now when they can retire and, and rest, uh, this comes, right? And, and, but for me personally, I'm good. It's getting stressed by all this thing and kinds of it's going up and up and up and you don't see the light you know, at the end of the tunnel. 
So your mom is in the hospital. Um, what is she telling you? She's, she's people in hospitals now, they're, they're so strong, so strong. She's telling me, for example, in, in the hospital here in my city, uh, Hospital of Alcala, which two days ago it was the hospital with more deaths. In the beginning, you get people from other cities, which has been um, so many people getting infected in one city. Everyone is going to the hospital of the city sur surrounding. And then, so they see just waves of people coming. They don't have materials, so they are all infected. They will be all infected. 14% of the health and public workers here in Spain are infected. And they don't have even tests to test themselves. My mom, for example, she couldn't test herself to see if she's infected. They're getting, she, she leads the kitchen here in the hospital. And yesterday, I think it was six people called uh, for a lift because they were infected. They know many of them are infected and they're still going to work. And they're doing 16-hour shifts to 24-hour shifts. Mm. They're asking for help. They're getting now help, but it's too late now. It, it's already collapsed. They have people in the floor, in the hospitals, and they have to decide. Her colleagues, her doctors, um, imagine how stressful it is for you. And there was a woman uh, yesterday, uh, an old lady, she, she recorded a video of herself um, asking for help because her husband got into the hospital. He was like 70 or 65 and he was really bad. And a, a, a man that was 40 years old came into the hospital as well, intensive care, of course. They're going straight to intensive care and, and doctors, they have to decide. So we go for this old man, which is 40, instead of this guy. So they will tell you, okay, you can take now your husband home and he will die at home, that's for sure. And this decision for the people who is working in the hospitals is really bad. Has your mom talked about having to make those types of decisions or having to, to witness them? Yeah, yeah. And they're witnessing now as well uh, people from university because they're getting people from university working into hospitals. So here in Spain, uh, medicine is six years. They're getting people from the fifth and the sixth year working into the hospital. And, and the, these young people, they are especially scared because they're seeing now all the, the corpses bringing down and they cannot even uh, take it. So they, they open a huge mall that we have in Madrid to take all the corpses. And you see this all coming down from the hospital into the truck, the military trucks. And you see all these military trucks going around the city. It's just, it's bad. So this is what I was saying, that it's making you, seeing all this kind, you try to keep up, but seeing all these things going up and up and up kind of affects you. So, um, it's like my whole career. I I can interview people from afar, right? And uh, mm -hmm. and um, and thank God that's awful, and have so much empathy. Uh, and I think maybe the scariest part of this interview, even for me, is thinking like um, it's here. You know, yeah, it's, it's it's maybe a couple weeks away um, yeah. from from uh, from me being able to describe the scene that you just described to me. I could be describing it to you. I, I um, think about the fear and all of this and, yeah, and yeah. you know, and I think there's just this, so much the, yeah. fear. Yeah, this is the, so yourself isolating, you, you're good, you try to paint, you try to, but you can feel the fear growing up and growing up. 
And this is what I, I love about being here with you guys, talking to you, is try to, to tell you what we did bad. And so please don't do it. Please don't believe that it's just a flu, something else. And the sooner you go home and isolate yourself and make your elders to isolate as well, it's the better for everyone because, yeah, we're one week away from Italy. I think we, we can be wiser than governments here. And, and the, the weapon that we have is what you just said, empathy. And it's empathy for, for all of us together and also empathy for the people which is working in hospitals or people which is working outside or in supermarkets because they're still open. We need to, to have this empathy for them and stay at our houses because they just can't handle any more people in hospitals, etc. So I think this is the biggest weapon we have, empathy. What do you do um, when you're really afraid? You have your mom is working in the hospital. This is really close to you. Yeah. What do you do when I you're have, afraid? I talk to her. <laughs> she she has like this ability to to be like it's just one more day and it will be over. You know, we try to think a lot that it will be over. It will be over. Yeah. What is the hardest part for you? Uh, for me, the hardest part is to, for example, now we're seeing the news. I think the hardest part is to, because imagine people in hospitals which um, are in intensive care, um, they cannot speak to their families and they will die alone because no one can go inside and they will die alone. They, wouldn't, they will not have a funeral. Funerals are forbidden for coronavirus deaths. So imagine families that they couldn't even say, not even goodbye. It's not just, you just go to the hospital with them to the urgency and, and that's it. Bye, gone. What do you want people to know? What do you think is important? What I would tell you is that first, um, and, and I know it's hard, don't be scared. Do not panic. But I think that the biggest thing that we can do is, is just to stay in our houses. You know, our grandfathers, uh, they were called to war and we were called to stay in our houses. So it's just to stay at home. How has this changed you? Um, I think it's soon still for me to, well, it's not soon. I think when after this, I th me and everyone, I think we will all not love, but try to say how much we love to our parents and, and elders. You know, because now we see them at a real risk. Okay, we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, 
Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys for sharing your stories with me. And I want to end with a quote. This is one of my favorites. It's something... I've lived by as a journalist. It's by Joan Didion, who's just one of my favorite authors. She says, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. Well, we're all in the same story, this go around. We're all experiencing love, courage, anxiety, fear, and hopefully above all, empathy. What an extraordinary thing that the through line of all of this is that although we may be socially distant, collectively we can work together, stay inside, and save each other. Thank you to everyone who reached out to me. I love hearing from you. And special thanks to Danielle, Max, Joe, Julie, Pablo, and Brett. Your stories, your courage, and your resilience keep me going too. So I'm gonna throw this out there. In these times of social distancing, when everything feels completely unknown, I've always believed it's important to stay connected. But I believe that now more than ever, and I say this and I really mean it, reach out to us. Reach out to me. Keep an eye out on our social media. We're going to have ways to participate. You can text me, 917-540-3410. Also, if you have anything you're thinking about, if you're sitting in self-isolation, if you're in your head, if you want to say something, you've got questions, 
send me a voice memo to firstcontactpodcast at gmail.com. I want to do my best to be there for everyone during this tough time. I want you guys to know we are listening. We'll also be hosting Zoom town halls on different issues during this time. So follow along and participate for some human-ish contact. You can connect with me. I'm self-isolating here. I'm at Lori Siegel on Twitter and Instagram. The show is at First Contact Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find us. We're at First Contact Pod. First Contact is a production of Dot 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 Media, executive produced by Lori Siegel and Derek Dodge. I will say we're being creative and executive producing this from home and self-isolation at the moment. This episode was produced and edited by Sabine Jansen and Jack Regan. The original theme music is by Xander Singh. I'm sending my thoughts to each and every one of you guys, and so is our whole First Contact crew. During this time, I hope that everyone is staying home, staying healthy, and staying human. First Contact with Lori Siegel is a production of Dot 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 Media and iHeartRadio. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.